Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast, located inside the School of Health and Human Sciences at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Travis Smith. On this podcast, we look to highlight the innovative practitioners and scholars in sports to learn and design think the future of the industry together. Thanks for listening to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Today, I'm joined by two gentlemen from Upper Hand, and I will let them introduce each other. Uh, so, Kevin, why don't you uh, kind of give us an introduction to uh, to your role with the company, and then Miles uh, uh, after that. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on here, Travis, and uh, and also special thanks to Dr. David Pierce and, and everybody at the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute. Uh, pleasure to be on here. Um, name's Kevin McCauley that started Upper Hand about eight years ago. Um, you know, we strive to build innovative software solutions uh, that make the management of sports and fitness effortless um, you know, for, for our customers, uh, really to make a more healthy and active lifestyle for, uh, for the whole world, right, uh, for every athlete that's out there. Um, my day-to-day role is uh, really in sales, working across uh, you know, larger accounts. Uh, we work with a number of folks, um, you know, whether it's a single location or multi-location business, uh, and then across all the teams here at Upper Hand to make sure we're uh, moving in the right direction and innovating, which is why we're talking today. Yeah, and I'm Miles Grody, uh, co-founder, head of products here at Upper Hand. Uh, really, main focus that uh, that uh, that I have with the job is is making sure that we have the most flexible and configurable software that were innovative and forward thinking, and that would become true partners in growth for our customers to take them up and to the right. Kevin and Miles, it's uh, exciting to have you on as one of our featured companies that, uh, and Dr. Pierce, I know uh, is very excited to, to have this on this one on. You know, I'd like to hear from uh, the beginning is what's the founding story? Uh, so why, you know, what kind of happened to, to to do this company and what problems are you trying to solve with this type of business? Yeah, great question. I always, always love telling that story. I mean, really it emerged just from the idea um, as a coach myself, I was coaching baseball in uh, 2012 and doing private lessons, you know, in addition to coaching a team and just started to think, man, there's gotta be a simpler way, easier way to do business, right. than just the status quo. Um, you know, handing a, a paper check to a, a coach and not spending any time talking about the development of an athlete, uh, you know, really is an awkward way to, to transact. And um, so anyway, about a year after that, we launched um, what was called at the time Book a Coach. Uh, so not building software, you know, in sports and fitness at, at the start. I mean, the original idea was just let's connect uh, parents with qualified coaches and make it easier to find, you know, just great trainers and coaches uh, in the marketplace. Um, and it was called the destination for sports lessons. Um, and we helped thousands of coaches and parents, uh, connect and managing that training. Um, you know, we found out we, we have a deep love for this, this space. Um, we got sports backgrounds, went to IU, so we, you know, business background and that, that background's really what led us to, uh, starting to see the number of, of people coming back through the platform, uh, and a, and a much larger problem uh, in our space, which was, you know, building software to run a business in sports and fitness, right? We, we started to learn that, you know, some of the, the best uh, sports facilities out there don't need new leads, you know, it, which was surprising to us. When we went and talked to them and said, hey, you know, we don't need a new leads. Like, we got enough people coming in the door. We, we can't manage the people we've got. Um, 
Yeah, which is which is different than than some some spaces, right? Like fitness is a little bit different, right? They they're constantly trying to drive leads, um, uh, and fitness is a big part of sports. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But that that was sort of what started our shift. Miles and I had to make a decision um, together uh, to pivot the business uh, from a marketplace to software. We did that um, at the time. Investors people thought we were crazy, you know, and uh, now it's called B 2 B to C. Um, it's an actual you know acronym that investors have created. Uh, and some of the most uh, profitable companies out there, but we made that decision to tra- to transition and pivot the business, um, and it was tough, you know. And and also decided, look, we can't do two things uh, at the same time and do them well. Uh, so we we basically rolled out, uh, rolled off the marketplace side of the business, uh, and went headstrong uh, building software and sports and fitness. Was it a? I'm just thinking of people that maybe start with an idea and then evolve, let it evolve. Is it how big of a risk? would you say it was a tough decision to actually transform your business? Incredibly tough. Um, obviously miles can, can speak to, to what it felt like on the other side, uh, you know, as a business partner, but, um, number one, it's hard to, to see it. Right. Um, and, and really we saw it in, in data. Um, you know, I think back to the days we were using mix panel and we were just looking at, you know, people going through the funnel conversion rates and then, in the month you're reviewing, you know, your financial model and you're, you're saying, all right, Hey, we're figuring the mechanics out, but damn, it's going to take a lot of money to make those mechanics really profitable uh, and make a lot of money. And, and we looked at, again, going back to that data, we, we did see some people continuing to come back because in a marketplace, it's no different than match.com or uh, you know, any place you go to meet somebody online, right? Once you, once you meet somebody, you don't keep going through and paying fees, right? It makes no sense. Of course, you're going to go outside the system. Um, and we saw that in, in the data uh, with mixed panel. Um, and we saw a subset of people kept coming back, you know, the cohort that kept coming back to buy. And we're like, man, so weird. Like, why would these people keep coming back? And so we'd go talk to the coaches and trainers and say, hey, like, why are you using it? Um, and it was, hey, we, we got nothing to do scheduling, nothing to do marketing, um, you know, communicating to our, uh, to our clientele. Um, but even then, when you see it, it's still hard to say, you know, it could be as, you know, right in front of you and to change your whole business is not an easy decision. Yeah, I'll add to that. I mean, two two of our core values here at Upper Hand are to to you know be gritty and be competitive. And in pursuing the initial vision of the product and and what the what what we really thought it was going to be when we risked everything, quit our jobs, and took zero salary, you know, out of the gates um, with zero funding in, in the bank when we did that. You don't like you want to you know the competitive spirit in you is you want to win and. Uh, you know, the grittiness in us wanted to keep on going with that particular vision. I wasn't ready to quit on it. I know Kevin really wasn't ready to quit on it, but ultimately, um, you know, um, we're both, both uh, big on, on metrics and, you know, we saw the writing on the wall pretty clearly in terms of like, this was going to be a much more lucrative business. This is where to take our shareholders, to take our company. So, um, you know, it was the right decision, but it was incredibly tough to give up on on that original vision because, we wanted to make it work. You know, we really thought we could very passionate about it. Yeah. It might, reminds me of shark tank. Uh, whenever, uh, you know, I think it was Kevin that will basically be honest about if you have a winner or a loser <clears throat> and just to move into the quicker you find out it's losers to move on to the next one. You guys didn't have a loser. Sounds like you just saw something else that could win even more in, in the, and you kind of saw the future with data. I think that's a good uh, lesson for a lot of people that to learn how to, to know what you're looking for. Cause you all had to know uh, you basically kind of sniffed that out about like where the business was going. You know, I'm, I'm curious what, um, can you get specific uh, 
for, you know, what types of products that, that you're in this new space that, that you're giving these companies and, um, you know, what the, did it all happen at once? You just find a product and you, and you find ways to make uh, something better and you, and you move on with it, but just how are those products, uh, the specifics and then um, how you decide on rolling out new ones? Yeah, um, I'm happy to start um, and then feed it over to Miles uh, on product product side. You know, finding the data is when we talked about that transition is we were able to do that because of our business background. I mean, we went to a great business school, Kelly School of Business, ranked you know seventh in marketing at the time, and I think in finance they were ranked like second or first um, in undergrad programs. And you know, so we we knew like when you look at a, a model, right, a financial model, like it actually was a loser. You know, the marketplace side for a while. Um, but we've always had that business mindset, even when we switched to, to software, right? Like it's hard to teach people how to help a small business owner. Um, you know, cause most of the, the small business owners in our space is, is very different than a, um, uh, wellness space, or, you know, if you're opening up a Dunkin' Donuts franchise, right. Um, in the franchising space, those people tend to be business owners, right? They tend to be people that are starting it because they want to make money and, you know, Hey, we looked at the area, we need a Dunkin' Donuts in this area, whatever. Um, but when it comes to sports and fitness, it tends to be people that played the game. Um, you know, they're, you know, leaders in fitness, uh, or whatever particular area they're, uh, they're in. And so we're passionate about building a product and a brand and a company that helps grow the business up and to the right, no matter where you're at, right. Whether you're doing $250,000 a month and, and transactions and revenue, um, or you're, you're just getting started out, you know, an individual coach trying to start that business. And we've got a lot of great stories. John Pelagic of Modern Goalkeeper is one example. Uh, but there's really three things. You know, we, we try to optimize the business operations uh, for, for every customer we work with, increase the satisfaction of their customers, you know, that they have, um, and, and help them make better business decisions uh, as a whole. And, um, you know, I think, I think we do a good job of it. We certainly can do better, always can do better. Um, yeah, but that's also the sports coaching side of me too. <laughs> you can always do better, right? Never perfect, but um, I know Miles. That you know, I have tons to add uh, on that as well. Yeah, th so those are kind of like the broad strokes in terms of um, some of the the bigger you know uh, uh, pillars of the platform. Uh, when you get into the nitty gritty, I think like uh, a lot of commonalities in between the sports and the fitness industries in terms of you know problems that we were solving. I mean, really. Um, in, in the discovery that we did when we were pivoting from the marketplace to more of a B2B to C uh, uh, system um, software, uh, the discovery that we did, um, it was a lot of common problems where it was like, you know, they, they had, um, uh, they were just looking for a simple software to really kind of consolidate um, some of the bigger pieces and problems that they have. And um, some of that stuff was just kind of like a more of like a light CRM contact management um, scheduling uh, you know, light retail, um, and, uh, and then some, some basic marketing functionality as well, um, to, to really engage like their current members, et cetera. So, um, the, you know, we solve, uh, we have, you know, a hand or not a handful, a lot of, uh, different features that we solve those, those particular problems for, um, but, you know, streamlining client, cl streamlining client scheduling is probably one of the biggest ones that we started with. That was kind of like the, the, the main kind of product wedge um, that we knew that we had to do extremely well in order to, to uh, advance the product um, into the market and really get solid, uh, solid footing. Um, and ultimately, when we streamline client scheduling, you know, we, we allowed them to gain time back to do what they're really passionate about. So going back to Kevin's point about um, a lot of times uh, these were amazing players um, in their respective fields. 
uh, but they didn't have the business backgrounds. So really what they wanted to do, they didn't want to spend a ton of time um, running a business, you know, like the back office stuff. That's, that's the stuff that, that a lot of times irks um, our customers and, and, and rightfully so. So, you know, by helping them streamline things like client scheduling, communication, um, marketing, et cetera, we got them time back to, to, uh, to them, which is, you know, the most elusive asset in this, in this world that we live in. We got time back to them so that they could focus on what they love doing, which is training um, athletes. So um, a lot, uh, a lot kind of packed in there in terms of specific product offerings that we have, but you know, those are, those are some, some more of the, the nitty gritties that we uh, deliver to our customers to increase value for them. Hey listeners, a quick message and then we'll get right back to the interview. I wanted to quickly tell you that the Sports Innovation Journal is now accepting submissions. If you have or are looking for a place to publish your innovative thoughts and studies on the sports industry, then please consider the Sports Innovation Journal. We are an open access journal and our target audience is the practitioner looking for answers to the questions and problems in their job and we want to attract and publish researchers that are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you are interested in learning more about the journal and wanting to submit or sign up to be a reviewer, then visit the link in the episode notes or email Dr. David Pierce, the editor and director of the Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupi.edu, dpierce3 at iupi.edu. Now let's get back to the interview. So outside of providing technology services, the upper hand does, you also provide several guides, resources, and even a blog on the main website. What gave you all the idea to not just focus on the technology, but to also kind of provide that public content um, for the user experience? Yeah. So I think, you know, our brand promise that, that we committed to as a team, and obviously Miles, you speak up, uh, you know, if this is, you want to add to this, but uh, brand promise is really help grow your business, right? No matter where, you, where you're at uh, in that growth curve. So whether you're an individual trainer who's starting to realize there's an opportunity to grow your business and you need some tools and a platform uh, to do that, or you're an existing franchise with 100 plus locations, you know, our goal is to grow that business. And in order to do that, we've got to become somewhat experts in the space, right? Um, you know, really understand the different business models that you know, a general manager or an owner of a facility uh, it has to operate every day. Otherwise, you can't you can't really help them. So, we do that by uh, looking at ways we can provide content, you know, to our to our existing customers or anybody in the space that uh, is is interested in, in growing. Yeah, I think uh, to add to that, Kevin, um, one of the uh, interesting things like when we first started uh, as as book a coach back in the day, back in you know 2012 timeframe. There really was, uh, it was pretty dismal in terms of content that was out there um, in, in the market as it related to, to sports and really sports tech. Um, there, uh, there, was, there were no thought leaders out there. Um, you know, I remember being on like Twitter trying to find content to, to you know, uh, to regurgitate to our, you know, to our following and sort of build up our, our base and, and build up our knowledge of the, of the space. And there was, there was nothing out there. So I think there was a prime opportunity for, for someone to step in and become a thought leader in the sports and fitness space. And um, we've, we've definitely, uh, definitely stepped up and done that over the past, you know, five plus years. Does this serve as a, a really good, I mean, it's all, it's genuine um, service and help, but it, I'm guessing it also, cause you have to download, right. To this. Yeah, so does it help with lead generation or just understanding 
you know, what types of companies are starting to ask for this type of stuff. So maybe you don't target that one company, but you get an idea of like, what's kind of a trend and who's looking at our site, who's downloading our content. Does that help you all with your planning stages of, you know, fine tuning your service offerings? Yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you, if, if you, you know, you can, you can make better, I think, marketing decisions when you have, you know, content out there for people to, to grab and, and download. You can obviously track the, the metrics on that. And um, yeah, I would, I would certainly say that it helps, helps a lot. I've noticed that become a trend in some companies lately that um, whether they're putting out like a working paper or something they, they want to offer that you can get it, but you had to download. And, and I think it's pretty genius to actually do that with a small business, especially in, in one that helps other businesses. Um, can you kind of explain what a low touch client experience is? And do you think that is the direction that fitness companies or sports companies will continue to go in the future, whether it was because of the pandemic or if we were already on this with um, uh, this experience before the pandemic? Yeah, so for me, for me, it's probably less about um, low touch than it is about low friction, you know, for a consumer and making it easy to whether you're talking about a, a parent transacting in sports or you know, somebody working out you had a facility and you know nobody wants to spend time you know buying something right they want to spend time you know doing what it, what it is they're buying in sports and fitness right whether it's you know the yoga class they're doing the you know the the cage rental the the lesson with the baseball coach or whoever it may be um, so for me it's really about less friction and i think you've seen that with with peloton tonal tempo fit you know mirror you name it um, you know, so it really is about that, but then it's also about, you know, having high touch with the high quality instructors, coaches, and trainers. So, um, you know, it's, it's not about low touch with, with those folks. It's actually the opposite, right? You want to be able to, to put those people on a pedestal, uh, because they're really the bread and butter of the business. Yeah. I think there's two, two things to add there. There's, you know, time to value and there's cost to value. Um, and I think to, to kind of jump off of Kevin's point, um, you know, the friction, there's been a lot of friction in our industry, as, as he kind of mentioned. I think the best example of, of, of highlighting, um, highlighting this particular point is if you think about like a casino, um, they do as much as possible to, uh, to, to decrease the time um, to value. Um, and the, and they're willing to to spend money to get to you to that value point, right? It's like that first first you know bet that you place and you win. Like that's like the point of of happiness for someone who's going to you know experience, uh, taking that experience. Um, in our industry, there was there like I just feel like historically there's not been a lot of of, of breaking down those barriers and reducing that friction um, to getting them getting the parents getting the clients to the first you know that that aha moment where. The kid, you know, hits a home run after, you know, weeks of, of doing uh, batting practice, you know, st stuff like that um, re really uh, highlights um, how, um, you know, how much, well, I guess there was a lot of friction to get to that point and upper hand has definitely helped to, to reduce um, that friction and, and really streamline the whole process for parents to come through the process and clients to come through and, and really get to that first point of happiness um, and reduce that time to value. What would you say are other trends right now in sports technology in your space that is either here to stay or is just continuing to evolve? You mentioned Peloton and Mirror. The Mirror one almost freaks me out. Um, just seeing the commercial for that, like it's just like, are oh, you a Mirror? You're uh, you're a trainer yelling at me. Um, 
But uh, what is kind of a trend in either part of your business um, that you see coming down the pipe? Yeah, well, that, uh, Peloton and you know those uh, the at home fitness isn't going to go away. Um, but I think it, the trend's less about Peloton than it is about you know getting to work with the best instructors in the world. You know, right? You know, as easily as possible. Um, you know, if those people uh, you know you, you train with on Peloton were were here at a local uh, you know, cycle, uh, bar or, you know, uh, treadmill, you know, paint franchise, I, I'd be there. Um, you know, especially if it's the instructors that are on there. So it really, it really is going to continue to, to pull the best talent to the top, um, uh, across the industry. Uh, and then lastly, I, for me is, is really just, uh, you know, as a consumer myself, I want, I, I want to know I'm improving my health, you know, um, you know, years ago, yeah, you know, it's a lot harder to track health, you know, heart rate and all this stuff. Um, but now instantaneously you get off of a bike or if you're wearing, you know, the whoop band, you, you know, whether you've had a healthy day or a not healthy day. And not only that, it'll tell you what to do to, to make it a healthy day. Right. Um, so I think that ability to, to serve, you know, the demands of what consumers are looking for is going to be critical for, for every business. Um, you know, whether you're brick or mortar or not. Yeah, I honestly, I don't have too much to add to that. That's that's spot on. Um, I definitely think, especially in the fitness space, the the whole connected fitness um, element is it's the it's only going to get stronger from from here. Um, on the sports side, I can I'm kind of curiously watching to see if um, if a similar trend will will happen. Um, has you know really hasn't yet, but uh, but definitely we're definitely or at least I'm definitely watching that on the product side of things. Do you guys, when you're uh, thinking of how to um, either expand something the upper hand is already doing or, um, or think of new ways to do things without giving away any trade secrets, I mean, do you look at other markets or other industries and think, wow, that we could apply that to the sports side of business, um, uh, the fitness side of business? Where does kind of your inspiration and how do you guys actually spot trends that maybe are not as obvious to, to uh, sports and fitness? Do you want to go first on this one? Sure thing. Um, yeah, I, mean, I def I definitely look at other other industries. To, I think the mo the you know it's like we we target sports and fitness like that's really you know that's our bread and butter those those two segments. Um, but they're really while they're very similar, they're kind of two different worlds in terms of um, especially in terms of technology adoption. So um, on this, on the fitness side of things, I feel like tech, technology adoption goes a lot faster. So, I mean, you can catch a lot of interesting trends that are happening there that can be applicable to the, to the sports side of the business, um, outside of sports and fitness. Um, you know, I think just looking kind of like looking out globally outside of the U S I mean, like, like Australia, for example, um, you know, we, we, uh, Kevin and I went to a conference a couple of years ago, club industry conference conference. And who, who was the guy who gave the speech there? Um, uh, Les Mills. Les Mills. So uh, Les Mills gave a speech there and and kind of uh, uh, highlighted some interesting trends in fitness. And um, it was pretty it was pretty interesting to see that Australia is actually really um, kind of a thought leader in 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 terms of uh, the fitness technology trends and just kind of club experience. And I mean, I was pretty floored by by seeing something like, something like that. So you don't really have to look outside the industry specifically, but just looking globally to other countries to see what's happening. Um, you can pick up on some some pretty cool ideas um, that uh, that you know we we tend to to look at pretty closely. 
Yeah. And then all, all I would say for me personally, you know, having, having played sports, you know, being a dad now, uh, you know, I, and working out, you know, regularly, you know, I sort of feel like as a consumer, um, you know, experiencing, you know, everything in the market and, and being where your customers are living with your customers, um, and, and at the business, they, uh, you know, they operate, that's how you're going to pick up trends. You know, that's how you're going to be, you're going to know how to solve the problem real quick and, you know, identify the big headaches, you know, and how to, how to provide a little Advil for them. Yeah. That one, that's a great point. Cause I mean, you're basically, you're in the thick of it and you're getting that user experience and probably always thinking of ways, like how could that experience be better for, for the customer and for the client? Um, yeah. You know, my last question is, is for the um, people that might be thinking about, they want to get an idea and be an entrepreneur and start a small business and grow it. Like you all have, what would, your advice be for those people that are trying to get into the um, thinking about a, a way to use sports technology as a business model. Um, they have an idea, but you know, it's scary to start your own business and go out for that. Just thinking about from the beginning, what would your advice be to those people that are uh, maybe on the fence about jumping off to, to try and start a business right now? Go for it. You know, I mean, if you've done, if you've done your research, there's never going to be a right time really to start a business. Um, you know, you'll be looking for it. Uh, and if, if you're looking for it, you're never going to find it. So, uh, you know, certainly do, do, do your homework, right. You don't want to just, you know, go off the deep end. Um, when you, when you haven't done any research, but you know, you can also do too much, right. So, um, if you've looked at it and you, you feel pretty confident in your idea I mean, go for it. Worst case, it's like, it's not like it's the end all be all right. Um, it, you can always go back, uh, to what you're doing before. So, um, I always, I always say go for it. Yeah, I definitely echo that. Um, uh, the other thing is, is I was just, you know, I was just reading a, a book. It's actually about personal finance, but there's definitely some parallels in terms of, um, you know, lessons learned and, and applicable to, to starting a business. One, one of the key things that stood out to me was, um, wealth equals, uh, flexibility. Um, so, you know, kind of going a little contrary to what, what Kevin said, but I, I, do wholeheartedly believe in that there, if you, if you, if you do the right things and you put yourself in a position to be able to take risks like that, I think that's incredibly powerful because you are like, you know, as these opportunities come across, uh, come across to you and you have these ideas. Um, if you're, if you put yourself in a good position, if you put yourself in a position to win from a, from a flexibility standpoint, um, taking that chance is going to be uh, a lot easier. So that would just kind of be a follow-up to, to Kevin's point. Yeah, and once uh, they get a good business, they do their research, they start their business, they can uh, maybe join um, Techstar Sports Accelerator and stay here in Indianapolis where we're trying to grow the sports tech scene. So thanks. Uh, speaking of Indianapolis-based sports technology companies, uh, Upper Hand, why don't you, Kevin, tell us where they can uh, learn more about Upper Hand um, as we close out the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find us on uh, online, getupperhand.com. And we're, we're active on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You just search for Upper Hand Software and you'll find us and you'll find our whole team. Kevin, Miles, thanks for being on the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Really appreciate it. No, thanks, Travis. You've been awesome. Yeah, Talk thanks, Travis.